celebrating classics and creating new ones. Only on the Music Vibes Podcast. Now, here's your host, DC Hendrix. This is the Music Vibes Podcast, sponsored by the Clyde Theater and Neat 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 Records and Music, located on Calhoun Street. Back with another edition here, only a couple podcasts remain in the year, and I might have a nice surprise for you before the end of the year as well to give you some extra content to enjoy over the holiday break, because once again, a couple of weeks into January, we'll be taking a nice little break here. I'll be enjoying some time off as I kind of prep for 2020 to make this podcast even bigger, better than ever for all the listeners out there. But before we get started, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, everywhere podcasts are available go ahead and make us one of your favorites because you know you want to and you want to keep up because we have some big things coming up on this podcast be sure to leave us a review go ahead and scroll on down if you're listening on apple Podcasts. click write a review let us know what you're thinking of this show so for this week is one of my favorite times on this podcast. I absolutely love, and it's probably the biggest reason why I even started this podcast, if you are a first-time listener. And what I usually do is I like to time travel. We celebrate classics and create new ones here on the Music Advice Podcast. So today we're celebrating classics because we're traveling back to 1973 is what we're doing today. We're going to be joined by Andrew Grant Jackson, who has this great, fantastic new book called 1973 Rock at the Crossroads. And you guys will be able to check that out if you guys are listening. Just go ahead and scroll on down in the description. You have a link to the book. You definitely want to order it because this is one of the most revolutionary years in music history. In fact, today I might be arguing, and that is the topic, in case you didn't know, was 1973 the best year in music history? And I'm here to debate that today. I feel like 1973 had the best music. You look at some of the top songs, some of the top artists at this time. Yes, the Temptations were broken up in Motown. Motown was in the transition from moving to, from Detroit to L.A., but you still had classic rock in its peak. Um, it kind of died for a little bit after the death of Jimi Hendrix a couple years prior to this, but was kind of reborn again. And this was the year that kind of caused that. You still had Pink Floyd with Dark Side of the Moon come out in 1973. You still had you had the birth of David Bowie, defining year for him. Bruce Springsteen, Elton John, big year for him. Elvis Presley, and obviously former members of the Beatles as well. Uh, all solo records that year. Diana Ross, Stevie Wonder. You had Marvin Gaye with Let's Get It On. So before we get to our guests, let's time travel back to 1973, which may end up being the best year in music history.
Rock at the Crossroads. And you guys can get this fantastic book by Andrew Grant Jackson. We have the link in the description if you guys are interested in purchasing this book, which I highly advise you do. And Andrew's joining us right now on the podcast to travel back. Andrew, thanks for joining. Oh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Very excited to talk about this and to time travel. I love doing that here on this podcast. So let's start off, though. I know I've obviously got the chance to read this book. So let's assume that someone is listening that hasn't. So let's start there. So what gave you the idea to write this book, 1973, Rock at the Crossroads? Well, I've done another book a couple years ago called uh, 1965, The Most Revolutionary Year in Music. And I Mm. had been fascinated with that year because it was it's kind of an overlap year because you had kind of the oldie style style of rock and roll and, and R&B that I loved. And then at the same time, you had kind of bubbling up the new era of music, like the psychedelic kind of stuff. And in uh, this year, 73, I thought it was kind of uh, the same thing in a way because um, uh, in a way you had kind of the peak of classic rock going. But at the same time, that that genre just it was the year that it, like all these blockbuster artists from the 60s were releasing their stuff you know the the former beatles stones dylan zeppelin who marvin Gaye, stevie wonder james brown everybody was firing on all cylinders but it was sort of a year that uh, it began to stagnate too because um classic rock radio started to really uh, crystallize and that eventually uh kind of pushed music that wasn't like the kind of mainstream white rockers mm-hmm. out. But underneath that, you had all these new genres that were kind of just starting to bubble up, like uh, punk mm-hmm. and disco and hip-hop was just getting started in the Bronx and reggae and techno and outlaw country and these female rockers. While it was starting to stagnate on the top, you had all these things underneath that were just starting to starting their movements that would eventually kind of rejuvenate, uh, you know, uh, popular music. So it, it, it had, you know, uh, I like to call it the year it started to it peak and it started to die and then it was reborn all at the same time. So it was a kind of very interesting year did write the book in 1965 the revolutionary year in music and i would honestly that's what i was going to start with this year in 1973 so if i was to say that 1973 was the greatest year in music history if i was to say that which i am how accurate am i on that you know it's um i mean you definitely have you know you have like so many great albums that year you have like dark side of the moon mm-hmm. you know by pink floyd Money! Inner Visions by Stevie Wonder. Um, there's one album which I think is a great album, Joni Mitchell's Chord and Spark. But that that frustrates me because she recorded it in '73, but they held it back for three days, <laughs> so it came out <laughs> like January 3, 1974. <laughs> so I can barely, you can't really count that. But you, you know, it's you know, it's 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 hard in a way when you you start comparing like '73 to '71 to '69, you know, because you can you, you know you, you can make so many uh, arguments mm-hmm. for all those years, you know, '67, but um. 
just for the sheer volume of so many great singles and uh, uh, albums. I don't know if you could, if you said individually, if they were like the greatest ones, but just for the sheer volume of so much great music, 73 is definitely a good year to look at. Yeah, I've gotten to several debates on social media, and that's probably why you don't have a Twitter, because you would be getting into these as well. But um, yeah, I get in a lot of debates on Twitter um, on the greatest decade of music and the greatest years in music. And 70s is always the one I point to. And 73, after looking, and I kind of came to this conclusion after reading your book, because your book um, gives you the entire timeline of the entire year, which is absolutely fantastic. So um, let's get into that a little bit. So introduce to the listeners a little bit more. Um, you know, what can a reader expect to learn? You know, if they're going into reading this book, 1973, Rock at the Crossroads, what can you, what can they expect to learn from your book? Well, let's see. Aside from those, you know, the, the 60s artists that we kind of mentioned a minute ago, there yeah. was uh, some of the other artists that we kind of dive into in the book are these kind of uh, mid-level, these people who had been kind of the, the mid-level people in the late sixties, but they suddenly shot to the top. You know, you had David Bowie mm-hmm. and Elton John and then uh Bob Marley and the Whalers had been um they'd been around since sixty five, sixty four yeah. in Jamaica, but this was the first year that they released albums in uh the States. Uh, you know, Burning and Catch a Fire uh-huh. or Catch a Fire was first, but uh-huh. so uh those artists suddenly were uh, you know you know, superstars. And then you had these these amazing, this amazing crop of artists that released their first albums. Period. You had Springsteen, Billy Joel, Queen, Aerosmith, New York Dolls, Leonard Skinner, Tom Waits. They all kind of released their debut albums then. And uh, so we talked about them, and then we go into those uh, those underground genres that I I had mentioned earlier. You know, punk and disco and hip hop and reggae and um, and it, you know also um, in outlaw country. And it was also an interesting year because of uh, culturally, you know, you had Roe versus Wade, which kind of remade the political landscape. And then you had uh, Watergate going on, mm-hmm. which has a lot of, uh, you know, parallels to today. And then the oil crisis actually happened that year. And that actually <clears throat> remade um, the whole uh, ways, way, ways businesses did business. And since then, kind of a sad statistic, but mm. when you adjust for uh, inflation, the average American worker, like the median income, has not ro- risen since 1973. Like people, you know, businesses kind of, they've kind of kept costs down and they've kind of they've started moving their factories, you know, yeah. first to the south and then to the out of the country, you know, to keep, you know, to keep wages down and stuff. So, I mean, uh, th- those are some of the political things we get into. And then... Uh, also, um, actually, Rolling Stone ran an excerpt from the book last week, which talks about the counterculture in 73. Mm-hmm. You know, like the sexual revolution was still, you know, it was kind of getting more extreme than ever, actually, that year. And, you know, also the drugs and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah. you know, those that's sort of the cultural backdrop that we kind of uh, drop into every once in a while in the book. Yeah, I did see that uh, in Rolling Stone. I have a couple of buddies that work out of Rolling Stone, so I definitely uh, seen that. Was very excited for you, by the way, that they, you know, gave the book an extra push as well. I think this book deserves uh, 
much notoriety and probably even more. So something else. Thank you. Yeah, and a couple minutes ago, you mentioned this. So I'll let you elaborate on this. So you mentioned about why this is the year that rocked peaked died and was reborn so what do you mean exactly by that how did rock peak die and reborn in 1973 well i think it, it peaked just because that that year if you look at there are so many uh, great classic rock artists that released great albums that year you know like from the who's quadrophenia zeppelin's houses of the holy you know the, the stones goathead soup you know the mccartney band on the run mm-hmm. um i don't know if uh if you if you pick those individual albums and you put it up against, you know, like the Who's Quadrophenia versus, you know, Who's Next in 71, I don't know if that's <laughs> better than their album, but I just think that this year it had more, so many great uh, albums and singles coming out simultaneously. So it peaked. But then, uh, as I mentioned, you know, before it started to stagnate, that, uh, they, that was a year that... Um, Album-oriented rock radio was really uh, formulated because um, before that you had AM radio, mm-hmm. which uh, was mainly top 40. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they wouldn't play singles longer than like three minutes. But on the plus side, they they kind of, a lot of stations really mixed all the genres. You had like rock and rhythm and blues and, you know, easy listening, you know, Sinatra or whoever. They all played, <laughs> you know, you know the same on the same station, which I thought was really uh, good to get all these different kinds of music going. But um, then you had FM radio, which up till then had been you know progressive. They, they'd play like you know these long jams for seven minutes, mm-hmm. and uh, the the DJs would talk about whatever they felt like you know anti-war stuff or whatever. But um, in '73. 72, 73, the, uh, these program directors started kind of synthesizing those two forms. They, they, would, they would play longer album cuts by like Zeppelin or The Who, mm-hmm. but they, would, they started mixing like top 40, a top 40 sensibility and that they would only play like focus tracks, like only the, the, the most popular of the, um, uh, the, the progressive artists. And so you started to kind of see this kind of mixture of the top 40 with the progressive and it became what they called album oriented rock. And obviously all those songs were great, but they, they started narrowing down just to like, you know, uh, whatever the most popular were at that time. And they started to really, they would, they would uh, start to do a lot of demographic research and plug it into computers and they would just play the music that was guaranteed to get the, the listeners that they wanted to, used to attract the advertisers. So like in, in 73, a 37% of the, um, the number one singles were by, you know, African-American artists, you know, R&B. But by like 81, 82, it, it got down to 9%, you know, like, <laughs> and it was all like REO, Speedwagon, and Journey and stuff. And uh, eventually that got turned around because, uh, you know, uh, Thriller, Michael Jackson, and Prince kind of came back. Yeah. But for... Uh, a couple of years there really started to uh, just turn into yacht rock and uh, arena rock, which is great. But I just, yeah, I don't think it's, if that's all you're getting, it starts to get a little too homogenized, you know? So, uh, so that's what I meant by it started to uh, stagnate or die. But then when, when I meant that it was reborn is that you had like, uh, like in New York, you had the New York Dolls, yeah. uh, 
who really, you know, they, they, they inspired the Ramones and television uh, and eventually, you know, the Sex Pistols and all that to, with punk. And uh, then he also had disco, which was starting to take off in all the clubs. And, uh, you know, so there was, and even, you know, Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings, you know, out, out in, uh, you know, and then Nashville and Austin, they started to kind of mix like a rock and roll sensibility with the country music and that kind of, uh, rejuvenated a lot of country so you know there there were a lot of ways it just started to get reborn they you wouldn't really notice it for another 10 years and a lot of these things like uh techno and stuff like craft work were just getting rolling but uh eventually they 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 gave all that music a shot in the arm and kind of brought it back to life absolutely one of the many reasons why i think this year um you know kind of changed the landscape of music and why for me it ranks as number one you know we could pick a lot of different years for that but one of the many reasons and you nailed it you know all the different genres that were pretty much born in this year you know like you mentioned reggae just got its start um with the whalers coming out and you mentioned a couple people that um i've actually got to interview on this show and talk about you know their importance in music i interviewed junior marvin from the whalers last year Uh, i talked to yeah so like i've talked to um denny lane from the wings obviously on the band in the run album so like i've got to talk to these people about you know how they changed music and the landscape of it a lot of it you know originates from this year and something also that you mentioned earlier that i wanted to get to before we kind of switch gears to the r&b soul side um sticking to classic rock you know this is the year and you mentioned it earlier solo beatles now obviously they were already broken up uh abbey road was uh, was obviously out for a while and these guys decided let's do the solo route and i think this year i think all of them had a solo album i know mccartney had red rose speedway uh lennon had mind games george harrison had living in the material world so what did you think of these solo beatles records what were some of your personal favorites this was my personal favorite for the year, like I, I did a, a book called Still the Greatest, The Essential Songs of the Beatles Solo Careers that Ooh. kind of imagined every year after they broke up, if he took their, the best solo songs from that year and made like an album that was the Beatles album that could have been, yeah. you know, like uh, this was 73 was my favorite year for that because uh, we had, um, as you mentioned, Red Rose Speedway and also a band on the run came out, I think um, yep. December 4th, 5th or something, December 4th. Like right around now, you know, like uh, all those years ago. But um, so you had with McCartney, you had Band on the Run and Jet, and you know, Let it Live and Let Die, and then Lennon had Mind Games, which is one of my favorite singles, and mm. George Harrison's uh, Give Me Love, Give Me Peace on Earth. That's one of my favorites by him. Mm-hmm. And Ringo had uh, his album made it to number two. That's right. But he had two number one singles from it: Photograph, which uh, George co-wrote, you know, or, or yeah, he co-wrote that one. Yeah. And also uh, he did a, Ringo did a cover of uh, Your 16, which hit number one, two, in 74. And so that alone, that would be like a great album side right there, all those great songs, you know. And, uh, and uh, those albums, especially Band on the Run, and, you know, even George's, George's album, Living in the Material World, he, mm-hmm. his album before that, um, uh, he had done with Phil Spector, and uh, which had been a huge hit, but um, uh, you know, all things must pass. Yeah. But he had been he he'd been a little bit. Uh, he thought he'd let Phil like put a little bit too much echo and wall of sound, huge, huge in the sonnet. So he kind of stripped it back with living in the material world. And uh, that album kind of has grown on me over the years. It's it's very mellow, you know. It's mm-hmm. not doesn't have like a lot of huge uh, 
upbeat hits, but it's a really strong album. And uh, Mind Games, John had, um, mm. he had, first he had he had, had a, after, you know, he and Yoko had been um, inseparable for all these years. Mm-hmm. The night that um, Nixon won the second term, John got really kind of uh, wasted and he kind of had a little infidelity against Yoko for the first time. And then he Uh-oh. he felt so bad about it. Mind Games was his album of uh, apology songs to her and trying to win her back. But, mm-hmm. but for a while, she was like, nah, I'm done with you. And, and <laughs> you know, she kind of pushed him away for a while. But, but so that album has a lot of really, eventually they got back together, but has a lot of really heartfelt songs, you know, where he's trying to mm-hmm. win Yoko back. So it's kind of an interesting album. And, uh, yeah, it was a, in the, you know, a band on the run. McCartney had gotten kind of uh, his previous two albums, Red Rose Speedway and Wildlife. The critics had said he wasn't living up to his potential. So he really yeah. pushed himself on band on the run. So it was, uh, yeah. I think it's his best. So, um, I mean, sometimes those are the best albums, the heartbreak albums. Uh, sometimes yeah. those uh, you got a lot to say. So sometimes those are the best ones. So let's kind of switch gears to the R&B soul side. I feel like we touched on classic rock pretty well here. Um, R&B and soul side, as you mentioned earlier, Stevie Wonder had inner visions. Um, you also had Marvin Gaye with Let's Get It On. Uh, Roberta Flack's song, Killing Me Softly with his song. So let's switch over to R&B and soul side. So kind of summarize this year for R&B and soul. Diana Ross had a big song touch me in the morning let's recap 1973 for r&b soul yeah for me yeah i think the the most interesting angle of it is is um i'm from detroit originally and so i'm oh it, yeah it's kind of sad because that was the year that yeah motown shut down yep. in detroit and moved totally to la but uh they actually had i think their second Biggest year in terms of number one pop singles. Wow! Because you know you had uh, you know you had Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, that and Diana Ross. They all had uh, number ones and uh, two from Stevie Wonder and uh, um, Eddie Kendricks had one. Oh yeah! Keep and, on uh, trucking. Yeah. Keep on Yeah, which uh, it, it was interesting because yeah, he he left the Temptations. Yeah. I guess after um, just my imagination had been so big, you know, like he I guess he figured he was going to leave, and uh, mm-hmm. then I think uh, the Temptations were like mad at him. Right? They they put out songs like "Don't Forget Who You Are," "Superstar," and all that. But <laughs> it looks like for a while maybe he made the wrong mistake. But he uh, but then he had you know keep on trucking and uh, boogie down and all that stuff. So yeah. he. He had a great year, and um, but what was interesting is that was the year or seventy two, seventy three is when uh, Philadelphia started to really rise up and rival um, uh, Motown with a lot of hits over there, and they were they were kind of really uh, innovating in the disco sound, like uh, the Love I Lost, you know, with uh-huh. Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, yeah. with Teddy Bent Pendergrass singing, and the OJ's had Love Train, and so there was a. Uh, I always think it's great when you have rivals because they really like push each other. So like Philly and Motown were really uh, fighting that year. So it was great. The Temptations were the last, I think it said album recorded at Motown in Detroit. The last session at Motown band called Arden Honey Mm -hmm. on August 30th. But in the last album, 
was a masterpiece by um, The Temptations, which was um, Norman Whitfield, their producer. He was mm-hmm. really into, like, a, you know, lyrics that protested, you know, kind of like poverty in the inner city, and then he would have these huge orchestras, and, uh, you know, he's kind of like a Phil Spector himself, you know, like uh, tons of instruments and just... You know, these like masterpiece. The song was like 14 minutes, and uh, you know, then the Temptations each taking different lines and stuff. So it was kind of, kind of went out with a bang with the, you know, his big, uh, big vision for that for that album. Yeah, and um, just to kind of summarize the year, I wanted to have a little fun with you. I actually meant to send you this uh, before we recorded, so I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, so you can take as much time as you need. So to, just to have a little fun with you, to kind of summarize the year 1973 in the music. Um, so I have a top five of my favorite songs from the year, which was really hard because there's so many. Um <laughs> So obviously for you, since I'm putting you on the spot, it doesn't have to be in any particular order. So just the first five songs that come to your head, you get a pass on this one. OK, so at number five, I have Edgar Winter Group with Free Ride. That's my number five wow. in 1973. Cool. Um, I have Steely Dan do it again at number four. Nice. I got Curtis Mayfield with Superfly at number three which was very hard to have that that low. I got Deep Purple, Smoke on the Water, number two. And number one, it took me a while to land on this one, and this is probably going to throw you way off guard. But honestly, I love this song. Steeler's Wheel, Stuck in the Middle with You, was my number one song. Five songs from 1973, your personal favorites. I have a little cheat sheet because uh, uh-huh. on the um, Facebook page, my it's, it's facebook.com slash 1973book. Um, I have a Spotify playlist of my top 200 songs of 73. Ooh. So luckily I can just pop that open <laughs> and look what I already picked. So. But um, I like the Steeler, Steeler Wheels uh because actually the first chapter in the book talks about how Bob Dylan was yeah. kind of trying to take a break for a while. And then uh, it freaked him out that, um, well, that song, they're kind of doing a Dim- Dylan imitation. And then Neil Young's Heart of Gold had been uh, a, a big hit. So those two songs were kind of eating at him. He's like, I got to get back into it because, <laughs> you know, these people are like doing these kind of uh, Dylan style stuff without me. Or, you know? But uh you know, and those songs are all awesome. The, the tricky thing is, what I when I was doing this playlist, I, I did a second playlist for songs that were recorded in '72, but were their biggest became their biggest hits in '73. Because uh-huh. some songs like Superfly, they charted like they made their highest thing, their impact on the charts in '73, but they mm-hmm. were recorded in '72. So I was. Uh, like, oh, you know, which which one should I put that on? <laughs> you know, so it's kind of tricky. But I agree with those songs. But uh, my my five were on my list were Get Up, Stand Up by the Wailers. Mm. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. 
Rosalita by Springsteen, mm. Personality Crisis by the New York Dolls, Over the Hills and Far Away by Led Zeppelin, mm. and Higher Ground by Stevie Wonder. Those were just my personal, uh, you know, the ones that I liked the most. Yes, yes, and I just I did realize when I made this list that I did not have Stevie Wonder or Marvin Gaye, which was really tough for me uh to do that it's it's all personal favorites obviously we know that you know stevie wonder i almost had superstition uh in my top five that was the one i was like you know right on the fence about but i really love free ride and i gave free ride the slight edge at number five so yeah 1973 just traveled back a little bit hopefully we did it justice so andrew one more time before we let you go here you've already mentioned a couple of books that you that you've already released which apparently i need to be getting some holiday shopping done with some of your past books as well because all sound like fantastic reads but one last time uh you have the floor promote some of your past books that lead into this one that you mentioned earlier and one more time mention 1973 rocket the crossroads for the holiday shoppers out there thank you um yeah my uh, previous books were uh, 1965 the most revolutionary year in music and uh still the greatest the essential songs of the beatles solo careers mm-hmm. and also i have two books that are more um well, the, the text is for, uh, you know, it's for kids and adults, but there's one on Elvis and one on the Beatles, Where's Ringo and Where's Elvis, and those are where they have these pictures where the kids can try to find them, and, you know, they're kind of like the Where's Waldo books, but they also <laughs> tell about the history of those artists. And then um, for the 1973 book, uh, Rock at the Crossroads, I have a Facebook page, mm-hmm. facebook.com slash 1973book, and I have a uh, Spotify lists on there and um, clips, videos, and uh, a, a Pandora playlist. And um, yeah, you know, thank you so much for having me on the show to be able to talk about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Great stuff. Um, definitely looking forward to having you again. If I get a hold of one of those books, I look forward to having you on again because some of those sound like great topics. So I'm going to have to get my hand on one of those books. All right. Thank you so much for joining. And if I don't talk to you before holidays, you know, have a great Christmas and a new year. OK, but I look forward to having you back on. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'd love to. Thank you. Yeah, and have a great holiday yourself. All right. Thanks so much to Andrew Grant Jackson, the author of the new book, 1973, Rock at the Crossroads, for joining us here. I absolutely love doing this segment, and this ends every single podcast. And we'll definitely be continuing this into 2020 as our fantastic sponsor, 20 Past Four and More, located on Broadway Street here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. has some great deals for you for the holidays as well for your tobacco products and needs. Um, And we'll be continuing this into 2020. But we end every single podcast for our new listener with our Drop the Needles segment. Segment, which basically what we do is we either drop the needle on a classic as if it's a vinyl or a new song of the week for you guys to check out and also it's usually a song that is topical of the podcast which it will always be and we continue that right here this week as we've been talking 1973 and one artist that had a big year in 1973 that has really grown on me over the years wasn't a big fan of this guy but i'm still young so maybe as i'm getting older i'm able to appreciate these kind of artists a little bit more than i was when i was younger but this was a huge year for this artist so i wanted to play something new because he had a brand new album this year so i was like you know what let's go ahead um in 1973 he had greetings from asbury park and the wild the innocent and the east street shuffle both in 1973 so a big year for bruce springsteen and he had a brand new album actually came out earlier this year and it was called western stars and it was released back in june 14th of 2019 so we're gonna drop the needle on that let's hear some new bruce springsteen let's hear 
Tushan Train off his new album, Western Stars. Here's Bruce Springsteen. Let's drop the needle. travel with dc hendrix on the music vibes podcast you can subscribe on apple podcasts google play and spotify on your mobile device podcasts by federated media podcasts by federated media